What's up, guys? want to remind you that today's episode is actually being presented by Bam Jam Boise. want to remind everybody that the Bam Jam Spring Tournament is going to be at the end of this month, March 25th through the 27th at Owyhee High School in Meridian, Idaho. I'm a huge fan of Bam Jam. I've been playing in three-on-three tournaments for the last 10, 12 years, and I absolutely love the, the product that they put together. Now, one of the coolest things about this particular tournament is they've now gone to the new rules of shooting by twos and threes. They have a paid referee on every single court. It's going to be a blast. I hope to see you guys there. I'm going to be competing as well. Don't know how far we'll go, uh, but I love to compete and get out there. I'm not the same player I once was, but I absolutely love competing in three on three and bam jam. The guys over there do a fantastic job. They've uh, basically been the staple three on three product here in the treasure Valley for the state of Idaho, for that matter. And one of the largest in the Northwest. So, Make sure to head over to bamjamboise.com. Get registered. Make sure to get registered. The deadline is March 13th. And then if there's any, you know, spots available after that and you have to do late registration, there will be a $25 late fee added on. So make sure to jump on there before March 13th. Get it cracking. Let's go. Go to bamjamboise.com. Today's episode is going to be a fantastic one, guys. Uh, you're going to love it. We're bringing on a father-daughter duo in the Whiting House of Hoopers. Trent and Amari Whiting are joining us today. You're going to want to get a pen and paper out, take some notes. It's going to be a great one on the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time Boost! This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. Five years running into this show, 93 different countries is where we've reached 78,000 downloads, and we continue to grow the show. So I just want to say thank you for all the support for everybody who's tuned in over the last five years. If this is your first time listening to the show, I always say welcome aboard. Love to have you here. If you could hit the subscribe button on your Apple device, if that's where you're listening to, or maybe Spotify or whichever podcast platform you're listening to this on, hit the subscribe button, check it out, and maybe leave me a review and let us know what you think. But uh, we're happy to have you guys here. Shout out to everybody who supported us. If you haven't followed me on my social media channels as well, please do so because um, I'm always willing to chat. It's personal stuff. It's, it's sports stuff, whatever. Hit me up on social media. I'm always happy to chat with everybody. But today, very special opportunity for me as a, as a host of the show because in the five years of this show, I think it's kind of crazy. I was thinking about that today. I'm like, I've literally never had an interview like this before, um, and I'm super excited for it. Uh, I'm having two guests. It's a house of hoopers. We could have had three if their son was actually here, but uh, – He's on a mission right now, so we respect that. But it's a house of hoopers. We got Trent Whiting and Amari Whiting joining the show. So I'll say, Trent and Amari, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having Thank us. You. you. You left out. You know, you left out mom. Mom's going to take all the credit for all the hoopers <laughs> in this family, anyway. So, so okay. No disrespect to, to Mama Whiting over there. I know. I know she's got the credit too, but she's off the camera for some reason. If you want to bring her on, say what's up. Like, yeah. <laughs> Amber's no, gone. she don't want to. <laughs> you got to take the glory. Okay, so yeah, we got to give credit to Mama Whiting over there for, for what she's done. And the, the reason, yes, there she is. Let's get it. There she is. I love it. That's the that's the energy I love about this family. I've, I've only known you guys for a very short period of time and just some short interactions, but it's been cool to kind of observe that. And, you know, the first question I want to ask, like Amari, first off, I want to say congratulations. Gatorade Player of the Year. 
that's the first thing we got to congratulate because literally this week is when that came out. So tell us your emotions there. How do you feel about being officially announced Gatorade Player of the Year? Um, I was very happy. Um, obviously, this season I was just really focused on winning and I wanted a state championship. So to have the personal accolades come with it was just a really big blessing. I mean, I've wanted it for so long. I really didn't want to be a Gatorade Player of the Year, but um, I'm just humbled to be like chosen with bunch of national great talents so i think that's so dope i I mean you've earned it that's not like something that was just handed to you you definitely earned it that's that's the work you put in and everything and it's it's cool to see the hard work paying off like you said you wanted to win but you get the personal accolades there too at the end of it which it's just a display of your hard work and uh, she's soft man she's not a good (laughs) guy here's Here's where we're going to get into this. Yeah, so there's dad. So dad's over here, Trent, <laughs> former professional. He said he's a, officially a has-been is what he told me right before we started recording. Which I, 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 I over the hill, man. There. <laughs> <laughs> but Trent, you played professionally overseas. You played collegiate ball at BYU as well as Snow, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you, you've got a lot of experience at, at that level. So I wanted to kind of pick your brain, too, in regards to your basketball journey before kids. Um, as you were going through the ranks at the junior college level and going through – there's a lot of kids in Idaho, especially the kids that I coach at the club level. Um, not everybody goes D1. Uh, heck, not everybody goes the NAIA. A lot of people have to go the JUCO route. And I kind of want to get your your thoughts and just at your experience, you know, the benefits of maybe going to a junior college or just kind of like what your opinion is on the smaller levels of basketball and how that can benefit a player. If it, I mean, the pride thing's one thing, but how can that benefit a player if they utilize it correctly? Well, I, I would just start out by saying, you know, if you played college basketball at any level, you've done a heck of a job. So uh, that that's first and foremost. So uh, th- there's always all this debate on, oh, well, you're not D1 or you're not. Look, if you're playing at the next level, you're a good player. The the thing that, I, you know, really pulls it, uh, I'll, I'll just call it pulling at my heartstrings all the time is Idaho. We don't get a fair shake. You know, I grew up, I went to CUNA High School. Grew up here in Idaho and, you know, I put up really good numbers, but nobody, nobody really looks at you, including, you know, Boise State looked at me till last second um, and ended up going with a couple of JUCO transfers. So um, the, the thing I love about Idaho kids is they're grinders. They realize they're getting overlooked. And I think for any, well, some advice I'd give any kid in the state of Idaho is, just just use that as motivation. You know, you have to grind. You have to be not twice as better, but you've got to be drastically better than the next person from another state just because you're going to get discredited for where you're coming from. And it's unfortunate, but uh, it, it's true. And if you don't believe me, just, you know, look at the statistics. So um, I, I think we've got a lot of good ball players. I do think that uh, the biggest challenge, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but the biggest challenge uh, that we have is to keep kids playing at a competitive level across the, the United States. And what I mean by that is it's, it's not going to be enough just to play in your backyard in the Boise Valley or go over to uh, Eastern Idaho or Pocatello or wherever and play in tournaments. You know, um, when we finally stopped playing, when I finally retired from playing in Italy, the first thing I did was start a club in Utah for our kids and we were going to Reno and we were going to Vegas and we were going to California because I was like, look, if you want to be a kid who plays at the next level, you got to see what's out there. 
And this is what uh, most colleges are recruiting, the Nevadas, the Californias, the Oregons or whatnot, Washingtons. So we got to put ourselves in a position where that doesn't overwhelm you. You're used to it. And so, you know, from the time Jace was in third grade, we were we were home in the summers and we would just put together, uh, like I said, club started out small. We had like two teams and uh, we just started traveling and playing. But those kids, Jace's team and then Amari's teams that came through, we exposed them to a national level at a young age so that they could get accustomed and comfortable with playing better better players and different players and realize what you got to work on and what you got to add to your game. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. You're just trying to get better. And if you don't know what's out there, you don't know what you have to work on. So I 100% agree with that. The, the, the thing is I coach at the club level and I coach the 17 year olds. So last year we had the 16 year olds and to your point train, it was interesting because we go into Utah for a tournament. It's just a, it's a tournament down in Utah. We played a couple of teams from California and whatnot. And then we, we, we get matched up with uh, real Salt Lake Academy, which is one of the Academy schools down there. Um, and you playing in the Western Classic, Tim? I can't right. remember, to be quite frank. Can't remember exactly which tournament it was. I mean, we we traveled a few tournaments last year, Kansas, and this year we're going to Orange County, Las Vegas, mm-hmm. a couple other ones. But I will tell you right now, that was a very big eye opener, not only for me as a coach, but the players as well. They were like, oh boy, yeah, like this is not Idaho anymore. We got smacked by like 35, mm-hmm. and like that was a whole different ball game because you get to see that. I, I just wish people understood that. Like, you might be pretty good in Idaho, but unfortunately we have a target on our back. No one's coming to Meridian, Idaho or wherever, unless you're like leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else. But even then yeah. some of these guys still don't get the accolades. Like you said, you were, you were killing it at CUNA and then you still like have a struggle to get recruited. So the club scene, mm-hmm. if you do it right, uh, allows you to understand how to develop as a player and you get to see what's actually out there. Plus it gets you the exposure, but I do want to ask, so you've got this exposure now, Amari, I want to kind of go into this. You were young when, when your dad was over in Italy and whatnot, but from what you remember, I remember reading an article from Brandon Walton. Shout out Brandon Walton from SB Live. I have a I massive know. respect for that guy. But he did an article and interviewed you about this. But tell us about what you remember at a young age with your dad playing overseas, what you learned from the professional game from your dad's experience over there, being a young athlete, like how that actually helped you or what you took away from that. Um, I would say just like the grind of it. I mean, my dad was obviously trying to provide for his family. So like – Obviously, if you didn't have a good game, that wasn't very good for us. So just the, I don't know, kind of mentality he had to have and the fight he had to have every game. And one thing that I took, like, from it was he was like a student of the game still. Like, I remember on game days he had his packet of plays and his player breakdown and their plays, and he was, like, just going through, like, all day. And so, I don't know, I thought that was really cool just about how, like, even when you make it to the like pros, like you still have to, I don't know, keep learning from it. So um, I don't know. I applaud my dad a lot for being able to do that for 12 years because I feel like, I don't know, around sometime you kind of be tired of getting sore, <laughs> you know, but um, I don't know. I would just say being a student of the game and just the fight you have to have every time. So I dig that. That's a, that's a great response right there. So Trent, that speaks to your, your, that's why you had such like good longevity in the, in the league, like playing professionally, you had that longevity because you know, took care of yourself, 
your student of the game. I think it's a huge piece of it. You got to have an IQ. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, Trent, is I went through some of the photos and stuff when I was researching your stuff after I met you at the state tournament. And I want to talk about this short. <laughs> so Amari posts a, a TikTok video or something on social. I can't remember if it was TikTok or real or something. It was on a social media thing. And she's making fun of like the length of shorts. I'm like, yo, those aren't even long shorts. Like she was making fun of people who wear long shorts. And I saw pictures of Trent and I'm like, that's the type of shorts you should be wearing. Like guys should not be wearing shorts to show off their thighs. So Trent, can you just talk about the, the difference? Can maybe give your insight on the difference in style? Not just because like girls is one thing, but the guys are even following that game. It's like a competition to see how far you can roll your shorts. Look, look here's my take. Any dude who's trying to show anything off above the knees has got issues, man. I just, I, I, you know, even including Jace, Jace was always getting his shorts up high. And I was like, what the frick are you doing, man? The knees gotta be at, or the shorts gotta be at knee length, you know, especially if you're a guy, I'm not, I'm not on board. So I'm not going to be on board with the high shorts. You I'm, know, I'm, I, I came from the area, the era where we were wearing spandex underneath our shorts. Cause all you had was the, the John Stockton's, you know, that they were buying, they didn't even give you an option in shorts. They were like the crap. What would they have been like a four inch inseam? And you had, you had to wear something <laughs> to cover up your legs. So no, oh, I'm not man. on board with that. Oh, that's so funny. I'm just so, I just needed to get somebody to get like get on my side here for a second. Cause I, I made a comment. I'm like, yo, those aren't even long. Like she made an example. I'm like, what? And then I took some heat for it. And so yeah, <laughs> being on my side there. I just find it funny. When yeah, I was, everyone replied to your comment. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they're too long. They're too Dude, long. I, I threw myself to the wolves apparently, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> coaching at the younger level, even the guys that I coached, the 17 year olds. I mean, that was the joke last year, especially in the spring. I'm like, fellas, like, come on now. I'm going to buy you a pair of like shorts. Then I go to the Nike store. I can't even find a pair of shorts that actually is long anymore. I'm like, what happened here? What happened to the Fab Five? But anyway, that's beyond <laughs> the point. So, so Trent, over over in Italy, playing overseas, first and foremost, I want to ask you about the transition from the collegiate game, even at the D1 level, to the professional game overseas. Like, did you find that it was some some people I've spoken to on the show have talked about if you play at a prestigious university that has good facilities and then you go overseas, it's actually a worse transition because the facilities are worse. Some people have talked about that, but then some people coming from different universities speak about it differently. I mean, BYU, pretty good program and stuff like that. So you you understand the the college game at a, at a higher level and, and you had good facilities and whatnot. But I kind of want to talk about the transition into the professional game for those who are listening who might be in the same position, who might be waiting to go overseas because I've got a lot of those people that are getting ready to play overseas and, and not too long from now. So what was your transition like going over to the professional game? Well, the biggest transition is, like you said, I mean, facilities are just different. The cities own the gyms. Um, so it's not like a club. Well, some of the clubs, you know, the bigger clubs, you'll, you'll find that they'll actually own the gym or whatnot, but you, you, yeah, you go in and the locker rooms, they got little hooks where you can hang up clothes and bring your own towel and you better have, shower shower slides or you know you're gonna have some sort of fungus growing on your foot the next day so it, it's a different animal and it takes some uh, adjusting but you know from a technical standpoint i think my biggest uh the biggest transition is i see a lot of this dribble weave you know space it out I, like frick i probably see 50 percent of offenses in college nowadays where they start the offense where it's three weaves before they even get into their action which works collegiately, but it doesn't professionally. You got 24 seconds and all you're focused on is where, where is the mismatch? So 
professionally, that's the biggest jump is if you can't defend, you're going to get exposed. If you're the weak link, they're trying to figure out how to get you in a pick and roll action so they can expose you. And that's all we were doing is, um, and, and that's what I kind of tried to transition to Jason Amari as we started to evolve is how do we get uh, uh, you guys or your team in situations where we can take advantage of the mismatch. So, you know, you may be setting a high ball screen with your five man most of the times in your sets. Well, we would evolve it and switch that to, okay, we're setting the high ball screen with whoever cannot defend. And so uh, that's, that's the biggest thing. And professionally, you don't really designate that the five's the guy who's always setting the pick or the four or whatever. You're trying to figure out how do we get that worst defender onto our best offensive guy and expose him. So so interesting see that's i love talking to guys who actually have been there like anybody who's actually been there and knows the the system because so those are the intricacies of the game that a lot of people like the general fan might not not fully understand i love that now amari as you were growing up with your brother and your dad and your mother all hoopers did that i mean you being the younger sibling did that put pressure on your shoulders did you feel like there was pressure to play basketball did you immediately love basketball because i know you were doing other things from what i understand from when we talked to you before so were you doing other sports or anything else? And like, when did you actually figure out that basketball was a, a passion that you actually wanted to put a fo focus on? Um, yeah, so I played basketball over there um, with the boys for a little bit. Um, when I came home, I was playing softball a lot. Basketball and softball were kind of my, my two sports that I always did. And then, um, I don't know, I didn't, I kind of drifted away towards basketball. I quit softball um, and I started dance. <laughs> And so I dance. Don't let your <laughs> don't let your daughter dance. <laughs> anyway, Dad, so Dad, I dance don't do it. You gotta sit there and watch day long <laughs> programs of girls with makeup on and changing their outfits forty five times. It's terrible. Trent wasn't a fan, as you can tell. So I did dance <laughs> for a little bit, and then um, I don't know. I thought that's what I wanted to do because I didn't really like basketball that much. I just wasn't as good as everyone in the family, and I don't know. I like that dance. Like no one knew that knew anything about it. So I could just like go do me and they just had to sit back and clap. So <laughs> I like that. But then I don't know. I tried out for um, Natalie and um, I did that for a summer. And then I don't know. I fell in love with it. I just felt like that was kind of something I wanted to do. And I had a really good summer. So I think that was just kind of like, uh, reassurance of my choice and so yeah I'll, let me step in on that though I'll, I'll, I'll throw something in on that that I think um, makes a big difference you know before she tried out for Natalie she actually started to work okay and put in some time with ball and her ball handling and her shot instead of just rolling out the balls and shooting and playing and having a good time and I think that was the biggest biggest um um not motivator, but it was probably the thing that was the most responsible for her probably making that tr transition is because when she put in the work, then she was actually really good at it when it came to games. And anytime you're good at it in games, what do you do? Well, now I like it, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a part I've heard Amari say this before. It was also the work that she put in to be successful. And, and I think that's the missing piece. Everybody wants to just have fun. And but the thing that makes it fun is when you're kicking butt. And, and I think that's the thing that 
really helped Amari get to the point where she wanted to play basketball was she started to work on her ball handling and it was fun. And all of a sudden, you know, people were telling her she was a good player and, and yada, yada, yada. And then it became something she wanted to do. That's so cool. Now, Amari, did you, can you take anything from the dance experience? I know dad probably doesn't want to say this, but like from the dance experience that goes that you can like take into the basketball world, whether it be your mindset, whether it be breathing and doing your competition and whatnot, I don't know. Like, is there anything that directly translates from there to there? Um, Honestly, I would say what I learned from dance was like, it was a lot of like footwork. And so I feel like that kind of made me like, I, I already was kind of a little like fast, but just being able to like get the footwork down. So like whenever we learn new moves, I think it's easier for me to do that. Um, and I don't know, I think it's, it's hard performing in front of like a lot of people. So just like before, like, um, calming your nerves, I know that. I took that into basketball, like before games, I can't just sit there and be like mute and focus. Like I have to dance it out with my girls, like the calm before the sort of storm, because I feel like it just kind of slows your nerves down. You're able to just do what you know how to do. And so, I don't know, that's, that's probably what I took from it. No, I'm not all anti-dance. I still got to dance. <laughs> oh, showing the love. Okay. I like it. He's a true dad. It's funny you guys mentioned that because I just had my first daughter was born less than a month ago. So, like, got two boys and a girl, and, and I'm a boy. What are we going to do? Like, are we going to have – what is she going to be? And I'm, like, thinking about the dance cheer scene. I'm like, oh, no, I don't even know how I'm dealing with it yet. So, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, speaking of pregame stuff, Amari, you just kind of mentioned a few things. We've talked to you about it before on, on the Gym Session podcast for the Idaho Underground Sports Network. But we talked about, you know, how you were dancing and having a good time, and you mentioned how it calms your nerves. I, I always talk to people about this when, when I was fighting for golden gloves, I know it's kind of different, but for boxing, a lot of guys will hype themselves up. They'll get hyped up in the locker room and do their thing. For me, I listened to Michael Jackson of all things. Like I would listen to good. I mean, I get myself hyped up, but then when it came down like 20 minutes pre-fight, I had my headphones in and I was listening to Michael Jackson and specifically the same song from free Willie. If anybody re remembers the movie, <laughs> free Willie, it's that song from free Willie. I always listened to that song on repeat to calm my nerves. It was always just get me in a, and it wasn't even a fighting thing. It was just to get my nerves calm. And then it was time to, to hit or be hit. You know, that's what I always enjoyed about it. It's like, okay, now I'm ready to rock and roll. I can just focus on what I need to focus on. I didn't have too much of an adrenaline rush or my, I didn't feel too clenched up or anything. So Trent at the, even going through like the, the, the college and the professional level, did you have anything pregame that you did to kind of help get you prepared so that maybe the athletes that are listening right now could take some notes? Well, yeah, you know, Amari kind of alluded to it before. Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing for me was uh, studying personnel sheets and plays and, and the opponents and knowing what they were going to do ahead of time because it just made me feel comfortable that I knew I could be successful no matter who I was playing against. You know, if it was Randolph Childress, if it was uh, one of the Berry brothers or whoever it may be, uh, I knew what they were going to do. I knew what they liked to do and it just put me at ease to where I would just settle into the game. And, you know, uh, I, I always tell people I cheated and it's not cheating to know what they're doing all the time, but I knew every intricacy of their offense and the tendency of everybody I played. And uh, that way I didn't have to defend, you know, you knew ahead of time, okay, he likes to get the ball in this position. I ain't going to let him get it there. And so I would work like crazy to deny him the ball there because <clears throat> I knew that the bulk majority of his scoring came from that spot. I was going to get him off that spot because I didn't want to get exposed. So um, that, that brought a lot of peace to me. And I, I think it's imperative 
to like both of you just said, <clears throat> I think you got to get excited for a game, but you get too hyped. I think there's a lot of negatives that come out of that as well. You got to settle in. It's a long game. Hype's going to last for about five minutes. Then what are you going to do? So I think you always got to find that zone where you're, you're comfortable and, you know, Amari's thing is dance and they like get out there and do their little thing or whatever, TikTok crap, <laughs> whatever makes you comfortable, do it, you know, but you got to settle in and find what brings you comfort and peace because it's a long game. I dig that. Uh, I, I give Amari and the girls credit. I mean, they got a little swag for, I, I'll give them credit for what it, where it's worth. He, he always, he always bags on our TikToks, but then he is right in them after games. Oh, they always. Like, yes, he is. Don't let him lie to you. <laughs> I got him one at the bowling alley and y'all sabotaged me. Didn't even tell me what it was, what I was doing. And it made me look stupid. Come on. <laughs> Ah, I love it. This is, it's so much fun talking to you guys. I just have a few more questions so we can respect your time. Um, one of them is re in regards to, to the coach mama whiting, right? We we're talking about your wife, your mom. What's interesting about this guys is when we were covering the state tournament, um, we didn't, we hadn't put two and two together cause we hadn't actually seen you guys play live yet. And then I was like, Oh, that's, that's Amari's mom. I, I had to put two and two together after like reading Brandon's article and all this stuff. And what, what stood out to me and my business partner when we were covering the game was, how intense she was. So I'm not, and this is in a good way, but we were like, we look at each other like, yo, dude, coach is like in a defensive stance lower than any of these girls are. Like she was legitimately in a defensive stance. And like, and I was like, dude, I don't even squat that low, man. Like there's, I never got down that low. That's, that's crazy. And she was there like the majority of the game. Like if she's in there, so I could get, I, I loved that. I was like, that is someone who is invested and she wants to have her team win and she's in it. Like she's there. So that speaks to how awesome she is. But I want to talk about that. In regards to like uh, Amari, as the coach and your mother, the intensity, does that ever cause conflict or do you love it? Like, does it wear off on you? And then again, for Trent, after Amari answers, it's your wife. I'm married. I understand the game. Like, sometimes that can be a little intense. I don't know. So I, I just I want to know the competition factor and like how that plays a role in your guys' lives because it's kind of funny to me. I think it's awesome. Um, <laughs> well, like I, I love having my mom as my coach. Like I really do. I wouldn't have it any other way. Like I know she's harder on me than anyone else, but that's just because she expects more out of me. So, I mean, yeah, like the game doesn't end when we hit the door. Like it's down to my room. It's when I come out of the shower, like it just doesn't stop. But I don't know. I kind of like it, especially like since my dad is behind the bench too, like he knows everything that goes on. So I don't know. I can't, I like it because I feel like I got eyes on me. Like I'm not going to be able to slack off or, you know, just kind of cruise. So it's nice, but yeah, it causes some conflict. I mean, like I'm not allowed to call her mom at practice. And so I have a couple times, so I've had a run. And so it's just like, but it's, it's honestly really fun. Um, I feel like we have a better relationship because of it. And so I really like it, but yeah, it, it has a little it. bit of conflict. <laughs> I love it. Trent, what's your thoughts, man? Does it get intense or is it, is it just fun, man? The competition. I bet that's what attracted you to it, right? Cause you guys are both hoopers. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to marry somebody that I didn't feel like couldn't, you know, put the ball in the hoop. I mean, for me, that's that, that was uh, something that I always wanted to be able to have uh, a spouse that was on my level to be able to hoop and play and, you know, have fun in sports. 
and Amber is the epitome of that. So, um, oh, is there conflict? Hell yeah, there's conflict. <laughs> I mean, there better be. I'm going to let her know if she did something wrong, you know, if she could get Amari in this situation or she had an opportunity to get one of the twins on a mismatch here or there. Yeah, I'm a I'm gonna let her know and she's gonna let me know and I'm gonna tell Amari when she's soft. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I think you gotta have that accountability factor. I mean, they do it to me. I mean, when I was coaching Jace, it was the same thing. And and I think, you know, it's 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 competitiveness, but it's also educated. Um it's it's not some <clears throat> random person just telling me stuff something that they believe that's probably wrong. You know, so I value her opinion. I think uh, sometimes she values mine. And, um, and and yeah, is there conflict? Yes, but it's necessary conflict, I think. You know, it's it's things that, you know, we, we all want to win. So we're trying to figure out, okay, what's the best way to do that? I can recall games where we got home and I was like, what the frick were you doing? Why were you doing this? You should have easily just, you know, zoned that and sat in because they had one shooter and just locked in on her and that was it and, and and you know the the good thing about it is um amber's amber and myself and amari and jace uh were coachable enough to know that okay maybe my opinion's wrong too you know so it's good to get all perspectives and then then come to a consensus like for example i see all these you know, debates back and forth on expanding the state tournament and stuff on Twitter and somebody got hot about it and blocked somebody else. And it's like, dude, you know, the you ought to welcome all opinions to figure out what's the best solution uh, for the kids in the state of Idaho. And, and the same and the same goes for our family. Like it's not, you know, dad knows it all because he played professionally now. You know, Mari's going to tell me something that she saw on the court that, hey, well, this is why I was doing this. Oh, OK, that makes sense. So it uh, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, condescending by any means in our household or anything. It's just, hey, let's get your perspective and let's talk this out because can't have that type of crap next time. You know, so. I love it, man. I think if you haven't already done, are you, have you written a book yet as a family called House of Hoopers? I'm just it's, if not, there you go. That's your business idea. I think. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, you guys have a lot of insight that could be super useful. And I want to remind everybody on the show, they do have Jace. We've referenced Jace multiple times here today. He's on a, a church mission right now. I think he comes home soon, right? Within the next six months, five months. Yeah, um, he's home in May. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so he's coming home very soon, um, serving overseas. So that's awesome. Uh, hopefully he doesn't run into the same problem I did. I, I went to Brazil for my mission. And after that two years, I was a stick figure when I came home. I lost, I lost everything. everything. So it took me a good year to get back to anything. I was 170 pounds with nothing on me because it's rice and beans and walking every day. So <laughs> I, was that's not the same, same I, was, I was in the same mission. So I know all about it. Wait, where did you go? Well, I was in Brazil, Porto Alegre. Oh, so. you were in Porto Alegre? Okay. I was in Florianopolis right above you, right? Right in Santa Catarina. So I actually served in Rio Grande do Sul in a city called Bacaria. So Bacaria, that, that, was, that was actually in our mission. So they must have stole that yeah, one. Yeah. So they did. And now it's back in your mission. I'm just letting you know. So we're going <laughs> into that talk. So it was in my mission. We had that one little space down there and I was actually served there. So I was one of the only missionaries that served in two states. Interesting, Trent. I didn't know that you actually served in Brazil. That's a whole yeah. other discussion that we could have one, one day. So Two questions left. Last one. Uh, well, sorry. Two questions left. This one is in regards to your your, your basketball basket. careers so far. Your favorite memory. So, Amari, your your career is still going. You got mm. a lot going on still. And I, and I know you're going to Oregon after your senior year. You still got a senior year to take care of. There's many more memories to make. 
But up until now, what's your favorite memory that you've had in basketball at all? Um, I would say after we won the game against Preston, um, and I remember we were at shoot around and I was talking to my dad, like we were um, kind of preparing for Preston. I was getting shots up on the side basket and I was talking to my dad. And I kind of got emotional because I was like, I want this so bad. Like it's so close. And so after we won, the buzzer went off. Um, and I, my mom subbed me out just a little bit before and I went to the bench. I looked over at my dad and I ran over and gave him a hug and he like hugged me and he was getting emotional too. And he was like, you did it. You're in the state uh, game. Like he was like, now you've got to go take it. You got to go get what's yours. So um, that's probably one of my favorite memories. And just every time, like those last little games that we knew were so big, um, just hugging my mom. I know she's like, like our coach and everything, but just like to be able to have that, like it's my mom and my coach to share that with her is just amazing. And um, I don't know. I think this last state tournament is just like, the memories that we built are something I'll never forget. I mean, Jason was sending me like long paragraph text messages before games, just like, you got this, like, go get it. Um, I knew that it was like something big for our family because none of us had won a state tournament or state championship before. And especially Jason being so close, um, they all just wanted it. And so for me to get it and do it for the white or the name on my back was just something big, so. I love that. Trent, what about you, man? What was your favorite memory in your basketball career? Uh, I would say, you know, as you get older, your your favorite memory is always seeing your kids do things better than you were able to do it. So I, I, I don't I don't think I have one memory in particular that's that stand stands out above the others. But, you know, I, I, I love the process. For me, it's the process that I really embrace and being a part of that process. I mean, shoot, I've seen, you know, so many kids overachieve, not, not only my kids, but other kids coaching them at Burley high school or in our club teams or whatever. And just, I love the process. I love seeing the evolution of kids developing their game and rising to a higher level. And I, you know, with my own kids, I've seen that time and time again. And I don't think there's anything that you could, that could bring you more happiness than seeing your kids do something better than you were able to do it. And knowing that, you know, you had a, you had a small hand in helping them get there, but just, you know, seeing your kids achieve better than you is the ultimate satisfaction. 100% man. That's awesome. Okay. Last question. If you guys could wrap it up as far as the biggest life lesson in one word, like what is basketball meant to you guys in one word? I mean, like, like a life lesson, think about it for a second, but I'm going to let Amari go first and then Trent, how would you describe the game basketball, the impact it's had on your life thus far in one word? And if you need more than one word, you can do that. But I just want to see is how does um, it impact your life? I would say hard work. Like my dad said before with Natalie, um, I didn't start liking basketball until I started working at it and getting good. Um, just like, I don't know, like, yeah, you get like a shooting slump or, you're not doing good in the game. Like you just have to work through it. And I think that builds your mental toughness a lot. Um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, I'd rather learn in basketball than <laughs> learn in life. So um, yeah, I would say hard work. You just have to work to what you want to get at and how good you want to be. So I think that's something I'll use throughout my whole life. 
Trent, what about you, man? Uh, similar to Amari, I'll just call it the grind. I love the grind. I mean, by the time you get to the end of a high school season, I mean, we were fried. I mean, that's if you're really doing it right, you're putting in a ton of time, man. And uh, on the court, off the court, you know, uh, you name it. it. It's just it's a grind and it sets you up for life. I mean, sports is the the best thing to teach you how to grind out life. Any anyone can be successful in life if they want to grind. That's a fact. You know, if if you want to be, uh, you know, make million bucks a year, you can do it if you want to grind. Just figure it out. Um, if if that's your goal, right? But I think success is all predicated upon your your ability to put in the time and and know that if I put in put in the time, I'm going to be rewarded. So. I absolutely love it. I want to say thank you to, to Trent and Amari Whiting and uh, give another shout out to the mom here, Amber, as well, for everything she's done too, helping set everything up. Hey, I'm killing all rumors right now. We are not moving. <laughs> oh. coming back. She'll be in Burley. And I got the best coach coaching her and my wife. Let's go. Let's go. Okay, yes, so you heard it here. Let's go. Appreciate you guys uh, joining me. And for all those listening, just one simple reminder, leave me a review on the podcast if you can. Let us know what you thought of the interview. And uh, we'll be coming to you next week with another one. Take care. Thanks, Shane. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.